and welcome to episode two of Above the Fray. My name is David White, and today we're going to be hearing Rosie's story. So here's the deal. If you're new, you want to be going, hey, what is Above the Fray? Well, we're going to be challenging, encouraging people to live freely and lightly. Thank you if you listened to last week's podcast. We appreciate that. And uh, if you're brand new, feel free to go back and check that out. Today, we're going to be listening to Rosie's story. And before we do that, though, I'm going to have her introduce herself and just explain what we mean by Above the Fray. Hi, I'm Rosie White and David's wife. We're talking talking today today about um, faith and how it played a role in my story, Um, but to Uh, remind you we're defining the word fray as the muck and stress that is induced by unfair expectations couple that with unnecessary drama imposed with unrealistic demands that make us ineffective and ruins our joy our peace and our happiness the fray has one goal that is to destroy the life that God intends for us the family that God intends for us and the fray adds weight. It takes away our ability to live freely and lightly. So um, that's what we are um, going to be uh, expounding upon today. Through yeah, my absolutely. And, and throughout the podcast, we're going to really be talking about that. How do we live freely and lightly? And uh, I want to just uh, share a little story with you all. If you live in the Tampa Bay area, you know this story. Um, it happened when I was six years old. And that is uh, the story that happened on May 9th, 1980, uh, when America witnessed one of the most stunning tragedies in maritime history, when the MV Summit Venture a massive, massive 608-foot bulk freighter collided with one of the Sunshine Skyway bridge support columns. And so as I say that, some of y'all are starting to remember that. You remember where you were at. You remember some of the footage. Uh, in fact, on um, on my Instagram uh, page, on Rosie's Instagram page, we're going to put a couple pictures of that so you can kind of see that. And uh, we saw that more than 12,000, 1,200 feet of the bridge crumbled in Tampa Bay and 35 people plunged to their deaths in the turbulent and unforgiving waters below. Again, I remember I was six years old when that happened, and it was scary. Uh, I'd driven over that bridge my family so many times, and afterwards, when we would drive across that bridge, uh, the 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 span that was still standing, you could kind of follow along with your eyes. You'd follow along the the part of the bridge that was still standing, the other part, and it would get to that point where there was a sheer drop-off, and every time my stomach would just drop because it's so high up. And it was such a tragedy uh, that here it happened. It was a busy day, busy morning, and uh, a, a freighter ran into... Uh, one of the spans, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, knocking it down, and cars just kept going and going and careening over the edge because they didn't realize that it was uh, it was out. It, they, they couldn't see it. And the story is told of one guy who uh, jumped out of his car at the top, and uh, I don't know if this actually happened, but the the story was that he actually was standing 
near the edge and trying to stop cars from going over the edge. And it was all he could do to get them to stop. And they just kept going by him car after car. And he was sitting there doing everything he could to stop cars from coming. And they kept going over to their deaths tragically. Uh, and I remember that for the rest of my life. If you Again, if you're in the Tim Bay area, you remember that story. It's just something that's in, implanted. And one of the things I will tell you is that um, we feel like that's what we're here to do in this podcast in many ways. We have seen so many people, um, single adults, uh, families, parents, grandparents, who are just careening. They're so much into the fray. And the fray is just eating them up, chewing them up, spitting them out, and they're just careening towards the edge. And we feel like we're just here waving our arms saying, wait, don't go this way. You, There's a different way. There's a way that leads to life. There's a way that leads to freedom. And so that's one of the things we want you to know here, that, that we're here saying, hey, you don't have to keep going down this path and getting chewed up by the world, by the world's demands, by the drama that is out there. And so that's one of the reasons why we want to do that. And I just want to share that little story with you. Um, and here's one of the things we, di- we didn't say that, you know, if you ever want somebody to pray with you, you want somebody to uh, lift you up in prayer, to talk to. Rosie and I are, are those people. Uh, we want to be those people for you. So we'd love to have that conversation with you. And uh, uh, we, we'd be glad to do that. So anyway, um, let's move on. All right. We are uh, talking about Rosie today, all about Rosie. And I'm excited about this because you get to hear something, some things about her that you may not have known, even if you've noticed a while, maybe you didn't know these things. And so as we uh, go into this, we're going to ask her, we've got five questions we're going to go through. Uh, that's kind of our format. And so, Rosie, we're going to go ahead and start off with this question. Pretty easy, I think. Kind of a softball for you. Uh, so tell us about your background, family, hometown, all that good stuff. Okay. So my story begins in a little town in Mississippi, Ellisville, Mississippi. The city of Ellisville, I like to say. And I like to say that she's from the country. What do you have? How many stoplights are in your town? Um, well, for the longest time, there was just one. But now I think we have two, maybe even more. Yeah. I'm not sure. I got to go back and count. They made a bad song <laughs> since I uh, last, last was there. But um, so in Ellisville, Mississippi, I am the 18th of 19 children. So I'm the baby girl. and Yes, she said that right. If you heard 18th of 19, that is absolutely yeah. right. I thought I came from a big family. Uh, no. So and then I have a younger brother. And uh, so that made for some fun times growing up, a crowded home, but um, lots of fun. My dad and mom... Um, my dad actually worked full time, but, you know, he was always seemed like a presence there at home because he was such a bigger than life person with his teaching and instruction. So so go ahead and uh, we're, we're going to get to your mom and dad in just a few minutes. OK, you OK. That was like question number three. She gets excited when she talked about her parents. OK, so question number two is uh, so what role did faith play uh, in your in your growing up experience? 
Okay. Well, um, faith was probably um, just bigger than anything. It played a very big role. A lot of many people thought my dad was a pastor, but he wasn't. He just loved the Lord so much and he loved the word. We, I would say we went to church maybe eight days out of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning to say if somebody somewhere was having a church service, we would go and, you know, we would go just to, um, fellowship with other believers to encourage, but we also had a family choir. So we sang, we were singers. Mm -hmm. So everybody would, we would load up the van and maybe another car and we'd travel all around singing, you know, looking for an opportunity to minister. That was my dad's um, philosophy was that we were called to minister at every opportunity, always being ready to share a word or a song. So that's what we did. And um, growing up as well in the home, we did family devotions and family devotions not wasn't necessarily a certain time of day. It could have been every night. It could have been every morning and night. Or if my dad felt like he needed to share something with us. I mean, I know, I remember times it was three o'clock in the morning and my dad would, he would knock on the hall. He would go down the hallway knocking and we knew that meant you better get up and you better not make him wait. <laughs> so you you had to jump out of bed and go see what, what was on my dad's heart. What did God, what was God telling him? Because it was time to pray. And uh, he would tell my brother uh, to go to the piano and Jose would play. We would sing. We would worship. My dad would read scripture. And uh, so we spent a lot of time praying, singing and worshiping together, not just at home, but at church, at other people's churches, everywhere. Right. So uh, I remember a couple things. One is, I remember the, the one of the first times I was at your house, um, I was actually there to ask your dad if I could marry you, and it was over spring break, and it was like the first time I'm meeting your dad, I'm going to ask him if we can marry you. But uh, we had driven, uh, you know, 11, 12 hours to Mississippi from Florida, Mississippi, and we get there, and so I'm really tired from the drive, and it's an hour time difference, which doesn't sound like a lot. But uh, so it would be, I think, about 11 o'clock Mississippi time, which is like midnight uh, Florida time. And so I was really tired. And uh, all of a sudden, Rosie's brother, Jose, who she just mentioned, came home from work. And the next thing I know, it's uh, 11 o'clock, 1130. And Jose is over there playing the piano. And there was a full-blown worship service going on. And I went from being dead tired to being fully awake. And it was just such a, it was almost magical. I, I, it's kind of a silly thing to say, but it's almost magical. So that was the first thing. Second thing is, Rosie's family is known throughout Mississippi. They're just, it's like legendary. It's like the legend of the Joe Carter family, Joseph Carter family. Literally, we have been in different corners of Mississippi. And somebody will look right at Rosie and go, you must be one of Joseph Carter's kids, Yeah. right? And, <laughs> and of course, we both giggle with that, right? We both giggle at that. 
So, um, all right. So, Rosie, what role did your mom and dad play in your home life growing up? Um, well, my dad was definitely the head of the household, the disciplinarian. He was the he was the leader. Um, I guess one of the biggest impacts on me was his love for scripture. You know, because he was always reading scripture and teaching us the word, you know, it has impacted in my brain. And I hear, you know, there's not a single day that I go by and I don't hear my dad's voice reciting a scripture. I'm kind of glad about that. It kind of saved me a little bit of memory time. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But um, anyway, so um, that that just his teaching, teaching us what it is to um, love the Lord, what it is to love family. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, um, you know, being in a family of that many size, you have your close quarters and a lot of times, but I remember those times when, you know, we would be fighting and fussing with each other. My dad Mm -hmm. would make us, you know, look each other in the eye, tell us, tell each other that we love each other and give them, give each other hugs and kisses on the cheek. So we had to figure out how to live in peace and harmony mm-hmm. in our home. And yeah. so I, you know, I appreciate, you know, that, that. Um, and just for context too, they were, you are the 18th of 19, right? And that doesn't include like growing up and being the youngest uh, the youngest daughter, mm-hmm. you had all sorts of cousins coming oh, around. Yeah. You had nieces and nephews coming around all the time. So you always had a ton of family. You you guys would have broken every state law with social distancing, right? <laughs> we would have. And, and how many bedrooms and how many baths for all of those people? Now get this. Okay, wait for it. Four bedrooms, one bathroom. Mm-hmm. And went, Well, my parents had a half bath in their room, so that was off limits quite a bit but so we had one bathroom we basically had to share right so you had to be really strategic with doing things like getting in the shower and things like that right yeah so your your dad was really really strong he was the leader but tell me about your mom well um let me let me tell you tell you this real quick though because i think my dad was being being a real strong dad, I thought my dad, especially me being the youngest, I thought he had eyes everywhere. <laughs> and I, I just want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Growing up, and my family, if if they hear this, they'll know this story because I'm it's legendary. legendary it's legendary, it? and almost every year we try to get together once a year for a family reunion. They remind me. So my dad um, would go to work, and he would tell us, you know, don't leave the house. Because, I mean, there was so many of us. What kind of trouble could we get into? Don't leave the house. We usually had chores and things we needed to do. Uh, so one one particular day, my dad was at work. And there was about, you know, it was siblings, nieces, nephews. You know, they wanted to go and pick, pick blackberries. It was blackberry season. And, you know, we could go and pick blackberries and make pies, etc. All those fun things. Or just eat them. And they decided that they were going to go pick blackberries and leave me at the house. <laughs> well, see, being the youngest, and I felt like 
I had 15, 20 moms and dads telling me what to do. So I kind of developed this stubbornness to say, look, you will not tell me what to do because you can't. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. (laughs) So they were like, stay here. You're too little. You're too young. And I was like, no. And so finally, they spent so many, so many so much time trying to convince me. They're like, okay, so you just got to have, you're going to have to keep up. So we were like, if you've seen, seen in the books where the ducks, the hot tallest to the littlest, I was at the tail end trying to keep up where, wherever they were going. So we went down the road and around the corner. Well, just as uh, we were about to, you know, cross the highway to get to the blackberries, somebody spotted my dad's truck. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It was uh oh. And everybody's like, quick, run, hide. So there was a row of uh, trees. And everybody, you know, like, quick, run and hide behind a tree. And I'm looking at everybody like, why on earth are you hiding behind a tree? My dad can see. So, <laughs> so he, everybody had hidden. And I'm like standing there. And my dad drives by and he sees me. And he's like, is that my baby? <laughs> like, and in his mind, he says there was no way that I would be down there by myself. Right. He figured somebody else was there and everybody else realized the gig was up. So they came behind, you know, they came from behind their trees. And uh, basically, I can't remember if we all had to just load up in the back of the truck or we all walked home. But we knew that, you know what, there was going to be some trouble in the land. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, being the baby girl, that I was going to get off scot-free because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the baby. Right. Well, that didn't work. So we all got in big trouble that day, and everybody still, you know, gets on me about that. So, <laughs> going to my mom, my mom was, I would call her mostly, um, I rem- uh, the nurturing. She was more quiet. Uh, calm, but always there, always ready to listen. Um, she was good at, you know, she is, I guess she still is good at, you know, when we needed something, uh, when we couldn't find our shoes, find our, you know, all this, she was good at calming things down and helping us, you know, to just relax and think reasonably. So, um, I, I would like to think that I've, you know, as, I feel like I have a little bit of both of them in me. I right. try to be, you know, the calm and reasonable person in the home to kind of nurture and just listen, you know. But I do have a little bit of my dad in me, right, David would say, you know, because, you know, he's a very big influence. And sometimes you just got to just say it. Sometimes we call it we call it sometimes we call it hammer time when when uh, Joseph Carter comes out of his daughter we call it hammer time. <laughs> anyway, I got a little bit of both in me, but I I really do love my mom and just the quiet and the the peaceful, um, the way she raises. It wasn't not this not definitely not the same as my dad, but you know I just love you know when I go home I can just sit. And she'll just hold your hand and she'll pat mm-hmm. it and uh, listen to whatever you have to say. Yeah. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, question number four, if you're tracking along with our questions. So how did this growing up in uh, a family of faith, having mom and dad there, how did that 
How did that affect how you are living above the fray with your own kids and your family and in your marriage? Well, I one of the, the most important thing I learned is number one is you have to have a foundation. I probably mentioned this in the other podcast, but it is so true. You have to know what you believe. And uh, being singers, there's one song, the words of a song that comes to my mind. Uh, we sang a lot of hymns growing up and it says, I know whom I have believed it and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Mm-hmm. And so we are persuaded that Jesus is still on the throne. Mm-hmm. Jesus is God. There is nothing that can move him or shake him. Mm-hmm. And so we cling to him in these times when the world seems crazy and unstable and we can't predict in any shape of fashion, what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or a year from now, we can still live in peace and have joy because we know God has never changed. God is still there. He is working. He is moving. We have to keep our eyes on him and trust him. And, uh, amen. So how does that affect, how, how do you bring, what does that have to do with your family and, and above the fray, keeping them above that, helping to teach them about well, that? Well, you know, that's one of the things I try to do. You know, we, we talk and we have conversations with as a family about the things that are going on, the things that are sh- that's, that's shaking the world. And we have to look at Scripture and find how God has given us the answer and solution to how to deal with those things. Right. You know, I... One of the verses I absolutely love and you hear it a lot is that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. We want to, you know, you can deal with the flesh and blood, but you're just dealing with what is that? You're dealing with the Band-Aid. You're not dealing with the root cause. So if you understand the spiritual issues, the spiritual warfare that is going on, you're dealing with the root problem mm-hmm. and you can see it for what it really is right and we we, we use a phrase in our family um, and we've been using it for for a long time is that the root determines the fruit so what we're seeing right now what you're seeing in your children is the root you're just seeing the the the, the fruit coming out of that root whatever is deep-seated inside of them uh, you know it's when when people are squeezed what comes out that's really what you're seeing, right? And so uh, that's one of the things we teach our children is what's inside of you. Yes. And um, you, have, you have to just cling to the word. You know, God has given us his word, you know, to tell us, to teach us about him and also how we should live. And there's an answer there. And there is joy there. There is peace there. There is real truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't trust the media. You can't trust the internet, but you can trust God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, that's what we try to teach and uh, live. And it's also creating an environment in our home that there is peace here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things we're not going to allow, you know, fighting amongst each other 
you know, arguing constantly, you know, we're, we're not perfect. Our kids do have moments, but we're not going to let that rule and reign and destroy what we have here because Mm -hmm. you're going to get enough out there. Mm -hmm. But when you walk into our doors, you know, I like to say this phrase all the time, let there be peace on earth. That's my goal here in this household. And here we're going to have peace. Yeah, exactly. And we we really have claimed our home mm-hmm. for peace, the peace of the Lord in this place. We want this to be a refuge. And as such, there's intentionality. And we talked about this a little bit last week. There's intentionality in what we do. Uh, it doesn't just happen on its own. We don't just wake up and just assume it's going to happen. There are things that we do. We We insist that our children get along. Now, do they disagree? Absolutely. But you know what? They also know how to make up. They know how to love each other and love each other. They care for one another. And we always let them know that this is the refuge. This right here is the safe place from everything else that's going on in the world. That when they come here, when they come home, they walk in the doors of our home, that they will be safe and secure. And that's one thing that drives our marriage because we want our children to know that, hey, mom and dad aren't perfect. Our marriage is not perfect. It's far from perfect. But mom and dad love each other. And although we may disagree, at the end of the day, we love each other. We're going to forgive each other because we want peace in our marriage as well as peace in our home. Um, and I'm, I just have this this image in my mind and I I know I got it because my dad used to share this this scripture and the imagery is real. I think about a tree. You know the story of the tree that is planted by the water. You know, Mm -hmm. the waves come in and out. It gets battered by wind, the storms that come. But the more the storms rage and the waves crash in, those roots are digging deeper and deeper into the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to do. Our roots need to be grounded and dug and dig even deeper into the word and the truth Mm -hmm. and to who God is and how he can sustain us in these times. Right. And if you are grounded, you're trying to stand on something else other than that, you're going to crash. You're going to burn. You're going to fall. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things we talk about when we talk about living above the fray is a lot of times we look at the way other people are managing their families and we go, oh, we need to do it like them, or we need to do it like them, or we need to do it like them. Or the way if you're, maybe you're not uh, married, maybe you're single, you know, maybe, maybe for you, you look at what other single people are doing and say, I need to do it like them. No, we need to do it like Jesus. That's what we need to look at. We need to look at, hey, what is Jesus doing? I need to be focused on that, not on the Joneses. He's the the one we should imitate. He's the one that we should definitely imitate. Absolutely. So let's stop real quick. We're going to ask you a question before we answer the last one, and that is this. What do you need to do in your own personal life to live above the fray, to be intentional in that? Are there things you need to get rid of, right? Are there relationships that are toxic, Are there people that you've been idolizing that you need to stop idolizing? Are there habits that you need to get rid of that are sucking you into the fray? They're keeping you in the drama. They're keeping you down. These are things that have to be done. We have to really evaluate these things and be intentional, right? I love this phrase. I may have mentioned it last week, but I I use it quite a bit in that you need to inspect what you expect, 
right? So if we expect our children to act a certain way or to do a certain way, we need to be inspecting those things and, and following up with them. In our marriage, if we expect our marriage to be a certain way, then we need to be inspecting that. So uh, I'll give you an example of this. I asked Rosie a week ago, hey, in this year, 2021, what is something you need from me that I am not giving you? And I told her, don't don't tell me right away. I want you to just pray about it. And so uh, a couple of days ago, she came back to me and she told me these things. And um, it was a little bit hard, you know, because it was some things that I, I've been neglecting uh, in a relationship. But you know what? It's something I need to learn and I need to know. And now, because I asked that, even though it was difficult, now I know what I need to work on. And that's above the fray living, saying, hey, I want our marriage to be the best it can be. I want our kids to be the best they can be. How is that going to happen? We got to start doing things differently. That's what that means. Exactly. So let's look at the last question. We kind of answered a little ways. Uh, the fifth question is this, how do we relate to this? Um, how do we relate living above the fray to what is happening today? And even like some of what Rosie was talking about. And one of the reasons we wanted to tell Rosie's story, and I'm going to tell mine, is this. We understand this, right? That a lot of times our past yes. impacts our present more than we know. Like the way we grew up, maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home. Maybe you didn't grow up in a godly home. You didn't have a, you know, both parents at home. You just had some different things. We get that. We totally understand that. But we also understand that some of that is still keeping us churning in the fray, right? Some family dilemmas, some family drama, some family issues going on. Um, maybe it's trust issues that are going on still. And we understand that you bring that with you. Um, but we want to also let you know that you don't have to let that define you. You can let Jesus define That's you. Right. You can let Jesus define you. So real quick, uh, let's jump into this last one, and then I've got uh, some encouragement for you today. Okay, so how do we – we've had a tumultuous week. Really, it's a historically tumultuous week with everything that's going on. Um, this is the second week of January, so uh, people storming the Capitol building, um, just crazy stuff going on in our country. So how do we do that? I'm going to throw it to Rosie first. Well, truth be told, I have not seen, listened to any footage, any video I've only heard what happened from various people. Honestly, I just believe that no matter what happens, God is still in control. Mm -hmm. I don't quite 100% understand. And I really, like I said, I've already said I can't, I don't trust what the media has to say about it. So I do know what I do know that God is still in control. I'm still trusting God for what's going to happen in 2021. Mm -hmm. Trusting God. Right. And so I'm not moved. I'm not shaken. Mm -hmm. We have to just cling to that. And, you know, we talk through these kinds of things with our kids so that they are not feeling anxious mm -hmm. and worried about tomorrow. Right. Um, and we do. We help them process through these things, too. I think a lot of times we just figure our kids are going to figure it out. And we 
we know that they they can be scared because maybe they're hearing some of the stuff that that you and I aren't. Maybe they're uh, following certain social media streams that are um, just scaring them to death, and they need to figure out how do I process these things, uh, even if they're teenagers. Uh, and teenagers are even more engaged in social media. So how do we do we that? We have to. We have to give give the hope. Mm-hmm. You you know there's some there's okay you see what you see. But what is the hope that we have? Mm-hmm. You can't just you can't just put it out there and and expect our kids are going to understand, you know, that God is still still here. Right, right. And one of the things we we want to recognize as we go through this, one, we don't have all the answers. We we are we just don't have all the answers. That's all there is to it. We're we're imperfect human beings. We understand that there are struggles out there that people are having, individuals are having. We also understand that some of the things that are going on are pretty scary. They are historically scary. We don't know what um, freedoms and liberties might be affected through all that's gone on. So we're not trying to handle this through a Pollyanna esque um, mindset. But what we are trying to do is point people back to the hope. And the hope is not found in Washington, D.C. It's not going to be found in your party, whatever political party you have. It's simply going to be found in trusting Jesus. And that's one thing we've seen really over the last eight to nine, ten months now with all even the COVID stuff is we hear people and they'll sing, say, you know, my hope is built on nothing less mm-hmm. than what the CDC says mm-hmm. or, you know, what state guidelines are and state regulations are, which although those might be somewhat valid, the bottom line is this, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood, right? And that's what we have to... Can't just be words on a page or lyrics of a song. Right. And it's at times like these, in these tumultuous times, we cling even more to the rock Mm -hmm. and we point our kids to that. And we show our kids we're not freaking out. Why? Because we know who sits who sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. A God who is unmovable and who is unshakable. Amen. 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 So as we close out today, uh, we want to give you some encouragement from Scripture. I want to share with you Scripture that really uh, had an impact with the above the fray mindset that we have, that Rosie and I have really tried to work out in our own marriage and in our our children, our own individual lives. And it's from Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31. And if you uh, if you know the, the Bible, you know the scripture, but I want to read it because I think somebody needs to hear it today. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God's not tuckered out right now. He's not on the throne, you know, gasping for air because he's just so tired from all the stuff that's going on. He doesn't grow tired or weary, but this is what he does do. Somebody needs to hear this today. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He does. Not you, not me, but God does. And I love this. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. We all get tired and weary. Some of us are tired and weary right now. But those who hope in the Lord, you get that? 
We've been saying it all throughout this podcast, right? Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will rise above the fray. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen. Amen. So let us uh, pray uh, for one another this week that we will live above the fray, that we will live freely and lightly this week. That is our prayer for you all. Uh, Rose, any other thoughts you have from today? No, that's all. Okay. Well, we want to thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it with other people. We, we just want to be a blessing to as many people as we possibly can. And we thank you once again for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And God bless you guys. Bye-bye.